PDPW On Demand. Here's Bill Baker. Thank you for joining us on the PDPW Podcast, where this week we take a look at how to handle the difficult conversations we have in today's world. We're joined by leadership trainer Tom Thibodeau, who reminds us that the way we participate in these critical conversations is what shapes our lives. So here's Tom's message this week titled, If You See It Fight, Get In It. What really shaped our lives and what's really important for anyone who finds themselves in a leadership role is the ability to have difficult conversations, to talk about things that are significant and important. Sometimes these are conversations that we'd like to avoid. However, we shape our lives, we shape our organizations, we shape our communities by the conversations that we have. It means turning towards each other. The word conversation comes from two Latin words, conversatio, to turn towards each other and to talk with each other. And in these conversations, we begin to give direction to our lives, to our organizations, to our businesses, to our communities. And we have so many important topics that we need to talk about. They are significant conversations. Three things make up a significant conversation. First, the stakes are high. We're not talking about fantasy football here. might be amusing, but it's not. Our lives don't depend upon it. Second, opinions are going to vary. Because we are different people, we bring different opinions. And third, emotions run strong. Now, in these situations, there's three different responses. One, we can avoid them, not talk about them at all. Two, we can have these conversations and do them poorly, which seems to make things worse. Or three, we can have difficult conversations and do them well, which seems to move us all forward in an important way. Um, generally, this is really difficult for us for, for a number of different reasons. One, evolutionary biology. Um, one of the things that happens when we find ourselves confronted with a, with a difficult conversation, with a little bit of conflict that's going to ensue, um, we have adrenal glands that start pumping adrenaline into our bodies. And at that moment when we're under stress, all of a sudden the adrenaline begins to take over. The blood flows from our brain out into our hands and to our feet. That's where you get the fight-or-flight sensation. And at that point, um, we're not calm enough to have a, a, a important or difficult conversation. How many of us, in the, in the heat of the moment, find ourselves saying things that are stupid? How many of us have had the experience, I wish I had those words back right now, simply because they, they came out of the limbic system of the brain and were not filtered through by our thought processes? Second, what makes these kind of conversations really difficult is that oftentimes they're spontaneous. You never know when they're going to happen. For some people, you can schedule them, particularly when they have to do an evaluation of an employee or when parents have to sit down uh, during the midst of a difficult divorce and talk about visiting rights. These are very, very difficult conversations that can be scheduled. But for the most part, these conversations come up and they're spontaneous, and you find yourself in the midst of something that's highly emotional and wondering how are you going to make your way through it. Third, what, what's really amazing in these kind of situations is that we're not exactly sure what to do, and so then we re- revert to what we've commonly done, uh, make things up. We're stumped. I may find myself in a situation that I've never been in before. How do I begin to talk about it? I think this is one of the things we're facing in terms of climate change right now. We're not exactly sure what to say, so you find people kind of making things up and kind of moving away from what are, what are the impacts, what are the consequences, what do we really need to be paying attention to at this moment. And then finally, what is it that makes these conversations really difficult is that we have not had good role models. So infrequently, and you talk with people, 
ask people this one question. What was conflict like in your family? Who started it? Who ended it? How did you know when a conflict was resolved? How did you know when it was safe to come out and start talking again? It's just rather significant. I listen to this all the time. And people say oftentimes, well, it was over when my father said it was over. It was over when my mother began cooking again. It was over when the TV came back on. It was over when my father lighted his pipe. It was over when somebody would slam the door and walk outside and the rest of us could come out of hiding. So what does it teach us? That oftentimes when we were growing up in our families and there was a fight, there was a conflict, there was a difficult conversation, we were afraid and we hid. So when we find ourselves in conflict with other people, it's not like we're 55 and 60-year-old adults. We find ourselves being that 10-year-old boy or girl who was scared when somebody raised their voice. And we're paralyzed at those moments, or we begin to repeat the behavior that we hated in the first place. So at the moment in which we need our best effort in a difficult conversation, oftentimes what we see are people's worst behaviors. What we understand is that effective leaders... People who are very good at building relationships, I have learned how to adeptly handle difficult conversations in which they're able to build up the relationship and at the same time accomplish the task and move the group forward. This is a skill that can be learned over time, but who's going to teach us? Who of us will admit to ourselves, I'm not a very good communicator? Which of us is going to say that I've oftentimes are not seeking understanding? I want to win the argument. The question is, do you want to be right or do you want to be at peace? And sometimes you can you can win an argument and uh, lose a friendship. So these are the critical, crucial, difficult conversations that are significant in all of our lives. We have this level in terms of fear, and part of it is we've made up stories in our head. We already begin to think that I understand what they're going to say before they've said it. We've prejudged them, therefore kind of putting themselves in the box. What's really helpful in a situation when I have to sit down with somebody who has a different opinion than myself, try to put myself in their shoes. How do they view this? What does the situation look like to them? How would I respond if I was in their place at this time? And all of a sudden, you're beginning to build levels of compassion, which lessens the need for confrontation. We have very early on realized that if we use emotional language, we can persuade others. And we're all susceptible to this. What is advertising based on most of the time? It's based on an emotional response to a product. It's how the product will make you feel if you purchase it. If you accept this point of view from this particular political candidate, this is what I promise that I'll do for you sometime in the future. They're trying to persuade you to give their support. In a court of law, you use rhetoric to say, well, based on the evidence that's been presented, you must find this person guilty or not guilty. You're trying to persuade based on what has happened in the past. So you have to pay attention to how language is being used. And when people are using it to persuade, you have to be careful. Are they committed to the truth? Or are they only manipulating? And all of us have to ask ourselves these kinds of questions. What is my intent while I'm involved in this conversation? If I have a conflict, the thing I have to ask myself is, is the relationship more important than the issue? And of course it is. So therefore, I have to use language that respects you, even though we find ourselves in two different places. You and I, when we were brought up, we were you know, and many of the people that are listening will remember this, that in polite conversation, what are the three forbidden topics? 
sex, politics, and religion, which causes a great deal of anxiety. But can you tell me about three more important conversations for us to have a public discussion about? Sex, politics, and religion, the Me Too movement, sexual identity, sexism in the workplace. How do we talk about our, our mature sexual relationships with each other? Politics, we certainly have to understand that politics is a good word, coming from the Greek word polis, which means the will of the people. But what are we finding out now? People are, are breaking up in their families because of the political division. And yet, on a local level, the, the politics about budgets and how is it that we, that we reassign our, our resources? Are we going to take care of our roles? What are we doing for our infrastructure? How are we going to provide for safe, affordable food into the future? Where is the money going to come from? We need to have serious conversations about things that we're avoiding or things that we are shouting at each other about. And in terms of religion, what is it that we've come to believe? We are a diverse nation. How do you begin to talk about your personal beliefs in a public setting? These are extraordinarily important conversations that leaders need to have in a way that does not destroy the people that might disagree with ourselves. These are complex situations. The farm economy is complex. We all want safe, healthy, affordable food. Well, who's going to do the work? And so now we're talking about immigration. How is it that we have fair trade? And now we're talking about tariffs. How is it that we're going to distribute our, our food? Who has a responsibility in order to maintain a level of safety and standards? How is it that we're supporting and subsidizing farmers so that they continue to stay on the land? These are all very thoughtful, complex uh, situations that need mature adults who are willing to stand in the midst and to work with each other through the difficulty so that we come to a level of resolution that moves us forward. We are hungry again that a democracy begins when people gather together and talk about things that are important in a public face-to-face -face forum rather than hiding behind anonymous blogs or half-truths that appear on the Internet. Think about what we've had in the past where people had gathered at the local cafe and they would talk about farm prices. They would talk about who's running for, for office. They were talking about who's going to serve on the school board. They were talking about the threats to their children as to what's going to take place. Think about how important neighborhood taverns were in, in a day when ethnicity, that the Irish would gather in one and the Czechs would gather in another, and there'd be a German pub down the street where people talked about the homeland, their families, and how they're going to move ahead for their, for their children. Think about how important it was for people to gather after a church service in a church basement, and people talked about the Vietnam War and what was taking place at that time. When people talked about what are the changes that are taking place within the society and how is it that their traditional values match up with what's going on, recognizing that sometimes the things that their children are doing are not the things that they taught them, and yet they need to continue to love their children. These are thoughtful conversations that begin to shape the way in which we behave towards each other. So we reclaim the, the strong sense of community, and a leader sets the tone by what the leader pays attention to. And a healthy leader pays attention to healthy differences that help to create a level of energy and engagement which move us forward. In a study in terms of how important this is for your personal health, there was a 20-year study done with people suffering from melanoma. 
after people had been in remission, one group in the study group was given the skills for healthy conversations. How do you take on difficult topics and talk about them in a healthy manner? The other group was not. They got the group together five years later. Which group think had the highest rate of, of, of remission? It was the group that had learned how to communicate in a healthy way. If we communicate in a healthy way, it affects our own health and well-being and those that work with us or the people that live with us. If we communicate in a healthy way, our communities come together, and instead of avoiding difficult issues, we talk through these difficult issues. We have to ask ourselves, what are the significant conversations that this community needs to have? What is a significant conversation that this community is not having right now? And what is it that we need to be paying attention to? Stand up, speak out, and listen carefully, recognizing that as I talk to another human being, they are worthy of the dignity and respect that I would expect from them as well. Three things. One, when I'm about ready to have a difficult conversation, when I'm going to have to step into the arena where there may be confrontation and conflict, I must first ask myself, what are my intentions? Do I have the intention of winning or do I have the intention of bringing a better level of clarity and understanding? Am I committed to serving the common good or am I only self-serving so that I get my own way in this situation? Two, what is my own communication style? Am I better at listening than I am at speaking? Am I better at asking questions than responding in a rhetorical way? Understanding what my own strengths are and revealing these to other people as well. These are limitations. Could you please repeat what you just said? Because I I have a hard time processing things. I'm an introvert. I need more time. But to be clear about the way in which I communicate with other people. And thirdly, and most importantly, to check for understanding. So when we get to the end of a conversation, what have we just heard? What have we agreed upon? Where do we still disagree? When is it we can meet next to move this forward? We cannot continue to live polarized. We cannot continue to move ahead if all we say we're in a stalemate. We must have the moral courage to stand up, to speak out, and to listen carefully to each other. Our thanks to Tom Thibodeau for joining us this week on the PDPW Podcast. For more news, resources, updates, and archive podcasts, head to pdpw.org. From the professional dairy producers, you are the most important asset on this planet, and we thank you for listening and your support.